boomers! Welcome back to Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly look into the world of Sega and the Sega Sensational Comic, what they made in the 1990s. We got strips, tips, news, reviews, and more, it says on the top of the cover of issue number 29. But when did that come out, Chris, with your charts and your information? Came out on the 25th of June, Dave. Cover dated July 8th. Oof. And that is 1994. What a lovely year. But who are we? I'm Dave Bulmer. And I am Chris McFeeling. And we're the Humes. What think we're in charge? Inside this issue, we've got Super Kellogg's Frosties Compo. Yeah, we do. Now, Dave, Hi. does your copy, yeah. being that I know how you kept your copies, yeah. does your copy have the little um, extra leaf on the cover? No, it doesn't. It does not. Oh, look up. Whoa, whoa, what have you got there? Physical. Let me open my little box of you. Show me again. Oh, it's just a little it's a strange little thing it's like a little that's so familiar to me I'd totally forgotten about it now this is not my original copy I think I've said it on the show a few times but all the physical copies I have thus far were acquired off eBay getting to the end of that stack though Mm. gonna need to do something Mm -hmm. about that keep up the fun so it's kind of like a, a greeting card that's wrapped around the bottom left corner of the comic held in by the staple um uh, it's about a quarter size of the comic itself and it strangely it's just an ad for the competition inside. Oh. Yes, it's it's odd. Kellogg's Frosty's Sonic Spinner competition. Win Sega Multimegas, Sega Mega Drive, Sonic Spinner, Sonic 3, plus other top games. And if we open this little greetings card inside, it says turn to page 19 oh. for the competition details. There's just a picture of a clip art Sonic's head in a red spot. That's in it. In a red circle on a pale blue background, and that's it. Uh, on the inside back of it, it's Sonic with the finger out yeah. saying... Good luck. That's it. More clip art. Yeah. But the back's looking interesting to me. It's Tony the Tiger from Frosties and Sonic with their Sonic Spinners. Because? Because the Sonic Spinners are yo-yos. They are yo-yos with Sonics embossed on them. And further, extra details for the artist listeners. Oh, yes. Frosties are Frosted Flakes. (laughs) Yes, that's what we call Frosted Flakes over here. So they have Tony the Tiger and everything over there. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. They are great and all that. (laughs) That's how he says it. That's a very good impression. Ah, they're great and all that. (laughs) You know, that's the old uh, Stuart Lee uh, bit, isn't it? That great slogan for Kellogg's Frosties. They're great. (laughs) Do you think that's why Tails is going grrr on the cover? Oh, I I can't decide. Yeah, I'm not sure myself. So the cover, it's it's a Carl Flint cover once again. It's Tails in his armor with a purple background holding up his sword. Yeah. And then there's a big grrr sound effect. And I always thought that was a weird sound effect because Tails doesn't go grrr. He doesn't go grrr. It has been, it's it's not that Carl Flint just randomly drew it. Mm, He didn't put it on there, it looks like. No, that is lettered on because they've had to awkwardly cut around the uh, the sort of pastely shine off the sword the uh, the boing light of the lid yes yeah it's not sure why it says girl because i suppose yeah, it doesn't really fit either brief does it no not really <laughs> but that if if you were wondering dave why this cover is so otherwise quite devoid of strap lines yes. and text that is why the bottom left quadrant of the cover is so sort of empty of, of things yes. like that where you'd normally expect to see it because that is where this little uh competition leaflet would fold over so they didn't want it to obscure anything tails definitely on my unadorned cover does have he's listing to one side quite dramatically mm. as if Leaning to get out, out of, of the, the way, way of something of the yeah. leaflet yeah <laughs> <laughs> control zone. Control zone. Control zone. Not a lot new in the control zone. This issue is there. Megadroid tells us there's going to be the the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 
great competition. Yes. He tells us Mutant League is coming mm. to STC soon. Uh, yes, and my heart sinks very slightly when I read how he describes the upcoming story. Uh, the roughest, toughest sports story ever. Yeah, sports I'm not story. about that. I remember really The, the sports it. are getting into my comic, Chris. I understand. I, I, under- I don't yeah. feel like I had that level of preemptive contempt <laughs> back in the day, but I really remember enjoying Mutant League. It oh, has good. a really uh, uh, a good sense of humour. It's like you've got two uh, sports commentators comment over the strip. They serve as the narrators and the caption readers, and it's like, oh. last issue you may remember! Oh, <laughs> yeah. I like that. It had a good sense of humour, as I recall. Not a, a much more, deca- I was going to say a bonkers sense of humour, but I feel like the yardstick for bonkers comedy in <laughs> STC has shifted within the last <laughs> issue. Um, because, yes, aside from also mentioning that the Sonic Summer Special and Sonic the Poster Mag number 5 are out now, episodes either coming your way or have come your way soon by the time you listen to this, um, Megadroid says, Remember last issue when Pirate STC seized a part of your favourite video game comic? Well, this seriously weird new strip is still in control, and I've had to designate the back pages of STC as an official danger zone. Enter at your peril. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, that puts me in mind of yeah. how they used to talk about Decapitac yeah, like it was absolutely. the dumbest thing going. Yeah. However, with Decapitac, it felt like they were in on the joke. <laughs> yes. With Pirate STC, it feels like they gave Stephen Bliss a brief. Yeah. And then when this came back, they were like, what? The dismaying result. How- yeah. I feel like there's <laughs> a little more honesty in this i feel like this may be richard burton's honest reaction to pirate stc rather than a gag like yes was. and it makes me think that a better version of pirate stc would have been one where they were more like breaking into the comic and megadroid was the butt of the joke and do you know what I mean? And like, and yeah, like, yeah. like, imagine a version where it's like, aha, we're in control of STC now. Here's your uh, graphics zone, and it's just like, you know, implausible things that they're pretending children have drawn. And st- do you know what I mean? It's like, they, like they've hacked the comic. I would have loved that. Yeah, that's. A, I've never thought of it like that before. I mean, it's it's called pirate. Like they called it pirate STC instead yeah. of just like Sega Pirate TV yeah. or anything yeah, like yeah. that. But the actual trappings of the strip are all still TV based. So yeah, that would have been interesting yeah. actually. I mean, I don't think it would have made any more sense if the same bloke still no. made and drew it. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's at the end of the comic. We'll get there. We will. I've just realised that. I did do around this year a comic in which someone hacked into it and like was going like, oh, I've just hacked into this comic on my computer. And I'm going to change this with Workbench and stuff. And I, <laughs> I wonder if I was influenced by by that welcome screen. <laughs> We've got a section in the middle saying bustle buses, um, which is uh, they haven't had to write very much here, or rather they haven't written much. So they've just put a big picture of Sonic looking confused yeah, over the top I, of it. <laughs> I, I had a great memory flash when I saw this, because this is just, again, th- this is essentially just uh, an overwritten announcement of a few more Sega bus states. Bus, yeah. We had a few last issue. We had the full timetable in the summer special last right. week, but uh, they've decided to just roll out another three or four here yep. in isolation. Same and- photo again. Yeah, yeah. Dulled out under the uh, list of dates this time, but it's the same one. And to fill the space, it's it's that's the panel of Sonic coming up over the bow of the uh, of the ship. pirate ship and looking surprised when he sees the hippie pirates, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a random choice of a picture, even you know. Yeah, not the image of Sonic playing the Marxio Brothers game or no. anything like that. Just He's not looking Sonic all cool, looking He's bemused. Just like, what? Yeah. 
Strange one. Okay. The but again, we are we remain trounced mm. by FIFA International flipping soccer. Look how rock solid that <sighs> chart is in general, though. One through six, FIFA International Soccer, Sonic yeah. 3, PGA European Tour Golf, NBA Jam, Sensible Soccer. Oh my god, I never read all those names before. Right now, that's five sports to one good game. Yeah. Aladdin at number six. Non-movers at all. Yep. Yeah. We got Sonic and Aladdin for the likes of us. And uh for the rough kids. <laughs> 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 who uh, mean to us on the playground. We have all those sports games. Sonic. The Sentinel. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Ferran Rodriguez, and letters by Ellie DeVille. Sonic investigates the emergence of a huge stone figure from beneath the waters of the aquatic ruin zone, suspecting that it might be a giant badnik. While navigating the hazards of the zone, our hero winds up trapped underwater, until the stone being comes to life and rescues him. It explains that it is a sentinel, left behind when the ancient civilization who created the aquatic ruin departed Mobius thousands of years ago. Seeing that the aquatic ruin is deserted, the sentinel declares that with no one left to protect, its work is done, and it crumbles into pieces. Not a lot to say about this one is there this is a real what was the point of that episode um yeah it's an arresting start yes Giant it is stone thing emerges yeah. in an almost full page splash of this statue bursting up from beneath the waves and it is a full page of essentially what will for the time being call sonic's world isn't it it's just telling you about an interesting phenomena that goes on on mobius somewhere mm. No Sonic on the first page yet. No. The second page is the Kinderboar computer tells Sonic about it and then spends two panels explaining why no one else is around to help him. Okay, the whole second page is Sonic talking to Kinderboar in the lab. Three of those panels are exactly the same thing, but just with the camera more or less zoomed out. It's Sonic looking at us over his shoulder behind him to grin or whatever. While behind him, the Kinterball computer, also looking at us, does different facial expressions. Nothing in the background changes, there's no different camera angles. This isn't a very arresting... Basically, I think we've issue. hit the peak of anything we're going to really enjoy out of Farron and Rodriguez. To my memory, I, to be honest, I can't swear this is correct, but I can only remember one more story he'll ever draw for the comic. And uh -huh. he he does at this point feel like a holdover from an earlier phase of the comics life whenever the artistic standards weren't as high as the, as, as they've come to be with Richard Elson. It's not his worst work. No, or anything, it's not. Know, it's not it's it, worse. But there's nothing to write home about either. Yeah, it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's usually just like there's a sense of a character standing on a blank background that happens mm. to have something drawn on it to show you where they are rather than the place we recognize. Looking at it now, it's not that it does have no backgrounds as it were it just has the quality of that mm. it feels like there's some it feels like there's too much box for the pictures inside them in a way the, yeah it's less on. guilty of the blank backgrounds than past efforts yeah. we've seen from him but he's trying to fill them but yeah so, sometimes i think it's the camera angles yeah that's what i was gonna that's what I was literally about to say so <laughs> many of them are flat planes we just look at it dead on you know and as well as again the, the page two is the same picture over and over again yeah so let's was... let's 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 be clear for the listeners it's not literally he hasn't just stacked oh, no. panels or anything no they are all different drawings and that's but... why it's so interesting that's why it's so confusing because he has had to draw it over and over again <laughs> so you'd well. think you'd th you know shake things up a bit but the last two pages have like 
well, a diagonal line cutting through the last two pages of four panels that, again, are the same angle on the Sentinel, but just with the camera zoomed in or zoomed out. Okay, but we have to be honest once again and say they are completely they, different yes, drawings they're just totally drawn different from drawings. the same angle is all the artist is you know it's not the worst we've ever seen from him or anything i can't tell if it's for the better or for the worse that the story is also nothing to write home about at all that's you know, the thing richard elson could draw this and it wouldn't be interesting i would be interested in the first half because then i would be getting to see sonic doing some zone stuff yes the, there's the part where the the little arrows fire out and that's kind of the the boss and stuff like that although you can barely tell to look at it yeah. but then and then you're underground and there's well no I mean it wasn't, it's not just the boss like you know the pillars that just shot single arrows in the but yeah uh, it's a bit of architecture from the aquatic ruin zone then you're underground and there's like Greek pillars collapsing and things like this there's some interest to be had here yeah but then it all ends with the sentinel picking him up and Sonic going so what are you a big badnik and he goes no I'm just a big statue and it turns out that my job's done so boof and he falls to bits and that's the end. It's so weird. Like, set up the plot on page one, spend four pages doing something basically unrelated, then on the last page the statue comes to life and, and yeah, goes boom. And says that it didn't matter. And says that it... Exactly. Now, I suspect, Dave, yeah. that you don't remember that this I, does come back. No, I, I don't remember how or in what circumstances, but I do have this nagging sense that it comes back. Right. And therefore... This does count as some interesting setup, but but it feels well, if that's the thing. It's it's like it nearly a hundred issues before this comes oh, back as a concept. Yeah, so this was not set up. This no, was no, just no, no. A, a very. I mean, it's it's a pretty stock plot, you know, weird ancient thing from the before times gets yeah, found cool. in the present day and then buggers off. But know. the only thing is, it it isn't even setting up. A general sense of ancient things from no. the ancient times showing up. If that had continued on, maybe uh, is Nigel just making sure he's got something in case there isn't a story to Sonic Three, and he's aware that Knuckles comes from an ancient civilization. I'm, I maybe I don't know. It's I, don't know. I, uh, I mean I, I I remember not being impressed with this back in the day, even. But I mean, let's be honest: the first story after the Sonic Terminator was always <laughs> going to be a hard sell, regardless. The hardest home run STC has ever had to just yeah to a story that would be dull even within the confines of the first fifteen or so issues. I wonder what the idea behind this was, because the concept itself for a Sonic story, fine, yeah, cool. Ancient thing rises up from under the sea, collapses before Sonic can find out what it is and interrogate it. But that is part one. And it we... feels like the end of the second act. Right. The, there don't... needs to be something bigger that yeah. this Sentinel needed to help him actually... An enemy that the Sentinel needed to help him to defeat and then be destroyed mm. or destroy itself. And know? then that leads them to wonder what other ancient artifacts Mobius has hidden under it, and that leads to a discovery yeah. of something. And maybe you never go anywhere with that, because, you know, you would see that maybe. in comics and cartoons all the time. It's like, I wonder what else is out there. Pan up to the stars, a lone star <laughs> yeah. twinkles, fade out, theme song, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, you see, you laugh because that's such a recognisable I've just conceit. seen it so many times, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but it would be something. One can't help but feel spending four pages running the features of the zone again is a, an actively bad choice. I wonder then whether... Because we, I, I never realised this at the time, really, but I think as we've been doing this uh, podcast, there's been so many times when Nigel has been essentially doing zone-running stories, but there's been some other uh, thing to it to excuse it. There has been a plot it. reason. So I wonder whether... Nigel had either just decided himself or been told that that was something he ought to be doing, zone-running stories. And he was going, okay, well, what can be the story that's the excuse for that? And in the case of Aquatic Ruin, there's some ancient thing that rises up. It counts as that. And maybe, and it just crumbles away is... Yeah, it does feel like the conceit of this issue was we're doing a story in the aquatic ruin zone. What can we use as an inciting event? Not a story about the Sentinel. Hmm, Where can I set that? What's interesting there? Exactly, exactly. But because there's always a sense of Sonic being on the way to the Sentinel or to something as you're reading the story, it it kind of feels like it is a Sentinel story. You break it down, it's like, never mind like the running of the zones or whatever, but it's like the whole second page is fundamentally, in terms of plotting, like it's not necessary. Turn the page, start with Sonic emerging from the star post and then in thought bubbles quickly, in one or two thought bubbles, recapping... Yeah, Kinterbor said... Why the other characters aren't here and what Kinterbor told him. Not literally yeah. spending an entire page going, this is... The, I mean, we're going to say, the first panel is the Kinterbor mm. computer saying, Sonic, this is probably nothing, but I thought I should, well, spit it out, computer, if you've got something to say, let's hear it. Well, I, Wow, the more I look at it, the more transparent it is that that's that's just filling for time. No surprise, I suppose, that uh, Theron has essentially just drawn the same thing over and over again on that page, because... I really do loathe his depiction of the computer as well. Tiny little nasty beady white eyes peering over the rim of his glasses. Big gape mouth. Teeth coming out of the moustache more than of the mouth. It's (laughs) very strange, yeah. Which is odd because he's good with the style sheet, it's fair. <laughs> That's the, that is the weirdest thing. Like his his the stuff that's based off the Japanese style sheet is great looking, and I'd love to see more. There's a Sonic I really like actually on page four on the left where he's throwing the the rock at the uh, yeah. at the Badnik, and he's got interesting Sonic CD looking spines. Mm, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, blue eyelids. Just looked up and spotted them. Yeah. <laughs> blue eyelids. Something that I thought that this uh, strip did that that was interesting though is that it tells us that um as Kinterbor's making excuses for where everybody else is. He says Tails has gone missing again. Mm. And Sonic says, oh, this is going to be a habit. I wonder what he's up to. And it's for the answer. See Tails' own series in this issue of STC, Dash Megadroid. Which sets up that Tails is happening concurrently with the Sonic story. So continuity is starting to stack up here. I, I do like that. I mean, it's whenever Tails is away in another dimension in his own strip in the same comic, it should be mentioned, you know? I like well, it. But they could very easily just have Tails be in it and go like, yeah, the tail strip happened a different that time. Happens. I mean, they could do that. Even if they did, that would be fun, but it's cooler whenever they actually... Right. Yeah. It makes it feel more like a coherent bit of story that you're reading, which somehow, to me, adds to the connection with the games as well, because there is this sense of all of this can happen in a running order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a weird one, this one, because it spans so much time not doing what by all rights, you think the story should be about. And actively, as we see, mm. filling for time to not do it. And then 
what feels like it should be the end of the second act of a story winds yeah. up just being the the end of it and and i mean the, the the end of the story is the sentinel decides the city is now deserted therefore my work is finished and it willfully just breaks and crumbles away into bits and disappears back under the water yeah. even a sonic cries wait we could use someone like you in the fight against robotnik don't and then the story is closed up by sonic looking at the rippling spot of the disappears under the water going well thanks a heap buddy that is it's like cheers uh, i guess <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he would mine this in a hundred issues time doesn't make up for how very <laughs> lackluster this is. I, I, I can't remember one as lackluster as this in the post-Sonic Terminator age for a long time. Review Zone looks like a packet of chewits this month. Oh yes, it does. In fact, the middle stripe looks a bit like tropical opal fruits to me. <laughs> Very colourful. Yeah, tropical opal fruits in the middle. Is that fruitella on the right and chewits on the left? That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Streets of Rage 3, Shining Force 2, and Marco's Magic Football all on the Mega Drive this week. Streets of Rage 3, a timely little review given when we're recording this. Yeah! Streets of Rage 4, not long out. Right. It's uh, Vincent Lowe reviewing this and Shining Force, delivering rather perfunctory summaries, I have to say. Yes. That uh, doesn't offer much in the way of an opinion about the game. No, not really. I was interested to see him use the term, the playfield. Yeah! That's not a thing. The play feel and moves are really good, and the variety of characters... Well, I remember there was a... In fact, did I edit it out? There was an early episode of this podcast where we were talking about the phrase um, game feel, and you didn't like that. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but here is play feel. So that, you know, what I thought was a very modern phrase, actually, seems to go back to 1994, at least. The play feel. I was struck by this bit at the start where it says, it's packed with detailed, colourful graphics and 36 tracks mm. from Yuzo Kashira. Brackets, exclamation mark, close brackets. No, yeah. That's an odd... Am I supposed to be reacting to the use of the name or reacting to the 36 tracks? Oh, yes. Oh, you know what? I think it's the 36 tracks. Because, yeah, because it says Yuzo Koshiro, uh-huh, with there's you your that name mark. should mean something to you. And that's uh, not yeah. to diminish the man who has had oh, a he's long great. and tremendous career in video game music and chiptune pioneering. But Yeah, but to have an exclamation mark there is like, in 1994, the equivalent of if it had been like Bruce Springsteen or something. Yeah. It's like a name where you go, oh, really? Oh, dude, a video game. Oh, strange. But I think you're right. I think it's the 36 tracks thing. There are plenty of options with a choice of up to five lives listening to music, voices, or sound effects. Oh god, my brain I <laughs> genuinely think my brain just sort of stroked out for a, for a few seconds as it read that sentence, listing off the contents of the option. This is Vincent Lowe now too. We've seen Tony Takushi, yeah. we've seen Dave. Is this the end point? Is this the end point <laughs> of writing sanitized capsule reviews for Sonic the Comic where they give up and just start listing the contents but, of the options menu? But consider what you are being told here. It is interesting. This is a game where you choose between music and sound effects and voices apparently a third form of sound effect i am actually slightly used to this dichotomy because for so- for whatever reason on the amiga we had a very very good sound chip and it had- i like to believe that's how you say on the amiga every time <laughs> on the amiga 
<laughs> it's like saying, as a mother, um, <laughs> um, on the Amiga, we had a very good sound chip and it had four <laughs> simultaneous channels, right? Sorry. But, shut up! It was a very good sound <laughs> chip! <laughs> no, that was. <laughs> as a mother, you really got me with that one. <laughs> But we did. But for some reason, I, I think it was because they were so proud of like their sound chip and what they could do with music, or maybe it was to compensate because it felt like a compensation. Various games did have you choose, like Zool, had you choose between music and sound effects because they didn't like to either reserve or cut out one channel for the sound effects, which you know was another option a lot of games did. This one seems to be taking the same tack. No, our music here. This is what we've Dib, got here is Yuzo Koshiro, everyone. Dib, I have to stop you here. Okay. This is the three sound tests. It's not an option to play the things differently within the body of the game itself. Ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're right. Okay, well, that's good then. <laughs> so all I've done is expose the weakness of the Amiga without even mentioning anything to do with this game. <laughs> yeah, that was a real own goal for me. <laughs> <laughs> he was just describing the things you can do on the options menu, not the functions of the game. Apparently, I stroked out when I was reading this as well. <laughs> I'll tell you what nearly did make me permanently stroke out, though, was Shining Force 2. Okay. I have never played the Shining Force nope. games, and I thought they were just uh, JRPGs. Uh -huh. And one of them is on the Mega Drive Mini, and I thought I might look at it until I read this and realized that it's it's actually more of a point-and-click strategy type thing where you send right. one person in to fight a thing at a go. Yeah, right, right. Uh, at first, as I was reading it, my, I mean, my gut reaction upon reading the review was, Haha, this silly review doesn't actually understand how a JRPG works with turn-based combat, <laughs> where everyone takes their own go and then moves back. So they sum it up as a cross between an adventure game and a strategy game. But then I mm. looked it up on YouTube, and it was all like... <laughs> Menu up, menu down, cursor, 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 menu, menu, cursor, cursor. And oh. I was like, oh, 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 kill me then. Oh, I'm going to have a little look. Go ahead. Where's a fight? Oh, God, it's like an early version of, um, oh, what do I mean? What's the Fantasy Advance Wars? Um, those guys like Martha from it on in Smash Brothers. Oh, uh, Fire, Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. Like is Fire that Emblem. what You're... Fire Emblem is? I've never played it. Fire Emblem, you've got an over... You're looking at a map. And you are moving people strategically around. Oh, it's like risk or something. Jesus, shoot me. Who allows these things to be made and be I popular? From looking at it here, that's what this is. So you've got an overworld map with monsters on that map. You're moving people a certain number of spaces. And then it cuts to a little battle arena where you there's an animation of them hitting them. Yeah, that's what Fire Emblem is and Advance Wars, which it makes sense in Advance Wars because that's like a war strategy game. It's so in the name. Kind of thing. Listen, I have grown as a person in the last few years and come to enjoy JRPGs <laughs> to a point. I enjoyed Super Mario RPG. I enjoyed Earthbound. Yep. I'm using these mini consoles to inure myself to these things. But yep. um, this is a step too far for me. I don't see myself getting into Shining Force. I mean, it seems. I mean, it's a pretty legendarily popular series on the Mega Drive. It's on the Mega Drive Mini for a reason. Whenever you're making your um, fantasy football lists of games that should be yeah. on a proposed Mega Drive Mini before it was a thing, you wouldn't have thought about not adding Shining Force on there. But and then we have what is to me the most interesting of the three. Yeah, and it's um, an actually good review too. It's Marco's Magic Football.
by Nick Pratz, who is actually out here trying to give an opinion about the game and make some educated comparisons and talk about the the way it works. Yes, and it's a quite a scathing mm. review. Yes, it's, I mean, I mean, so scathing that it gets a whole seventy nine percent. Yeah, but yeah, but there's a lot of talk about how like, uh, well, this would be good if Soccer Kid wasn't already out, and that's quite interesting, but it takes too long to power up your weapons. I mean, you've been making the Soccer Kid comparison for a while now. I mean, if you knew about Soccer Kid, there was no way of avoiding that this was a rip-off of it. I didn't. And it was an original kind of game. Well, you know, it was a platformer, but it, with an original twist. And for that small additional twist to be what the basis of this yeah. game is without it being a sequel to that game or anything, felt strange. But no, the reason why this is interesting to me is that this is quite a scathing review. Even though, presumably... It's got to already have been commissioned to be a strip in Sonic the Comic at this stage, hasn't it? I think so. Yeah, that was the sort of thought I was having. They're talking it down here, and then, and yeah, yeah, they're gonna run a strip. Of course, it's um, ooh, it's got to be a good fifteen issues before it turns up. Maybe some somewhere between oh, okay. a dozen to fifteen issues. So, who but knows? they would have at least have been thinking about it, yeah. and for it to for it to get such a, I don't know if this was is this an awkward moment in the office where this game that they're gonna have to make part of their comic that they're going to have to big up and advertise. Turned out to be a bit bummed. Did, actually, they have on record said it's not very good. <laughs> I mean, they still said it was 79%, and to be honest, like, that's all anybody actually remembers when you when you look, when you look at the numbers. Yeah. Nobody remembers the actual... I mean, but but I, I, I respect the extent yes. he's gone to to actually describe it. What, what's it. On the one hand, you have a whole new dimension in weaponry. Using the football, which perpetually returns to your foot, requires preparation, skill, and a healthy dose of luck. The downside is that it takes a good few nanoseconds for Marco to release a ball and, say, pull off a Cantona-style overhead kick that comes off one in every three attempts. Yeah. Meanwhile, the enemies continue to attack, clearly under the mistaken impression you're a character with a rapid-action weapon. <laughs> I'm tempted to describe Marco's Magic Football as a fairly standard platform game with some above-average features, but it has a basic flaw that is a direct result of mixing elements. The idea is a credible one, and hats should go off to Domark for trying to boost the format, but at the end of the day, it's not as good or as different as it should be. That's a real review. Yeah. So, more from Nick Pratt? Yes, yeah, more from Nick Pratt, please, until he obviously goes the way of everyone else gives up and just starts telling us how many sound test options there are. <laughs> oh, I've just noticed that the game type is actually listed as sports simulation. No, it's not. Oh, it's a platformer. No, no, not at all. All new! All Sonic! Hot holiday action! Sonic the Summer Special. Mega cool new adventure starring Sonic, Tails, Robotnik, and believe it or not, Knuckles! What? Strips, tips, and more! Move for your copy now! Move for your copy. And move for your copy of the STCTP special episode. On sale 18th of June, which is the week before this came out. So it's funny that it says that and not on sale now. Mm, yes, it is actually, if it's already out. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. And uh, and it's just the uh, the cover, but it's a very good oh, cover. It's a lovely and it's cover. Nice to see it reprinted here. Slightly different angle on it, so you can see different details depending on what they've covered bits up of it with. Some of the most interesting and pleasant bits covered up. Escapes <laughs> <laughs> his story, part five, written by Mark Miller, art by Peter Richardson, letters by Tom Frame. Skates swims out to the Princess Grace ferry, locates the bomb hidden aboard, and hurls it from the ship. The blast destroys Mr. X's chopper, leaving the crime lord unable to escape from Axel, Blaze, and Max. But 
Unfortunately, Skates was unaware that there is a second bomb on the ferry, which detonates a second later and blows the ship to bits. Holy shit, Chris. <laughs> Specifically the fact that the second bomb is strapped to a dude tied on a toilet? Yes, Chris, that. <laughs> yeah. The fact that all the characters are on a ship that's just been blown up with a bomb that's on a man. Like, I get the impression most people who were on this ship are going to be fine, but that mother is dead. <laughs> he is dead. Sprays of him are spreading around. He has been aerosolized. <laughs> yep. That, yes, the, the, the last image is of the whole ship, only one bit of one side of which is is explosion but the explosion is very far reaching it does seem to you know it lights up the sky for miles around and like oh yeah i think the impression is that that ship is no more everybody's going to be in the water at the start of the next chapter yeah. i reckon so conceivably and i assume actually the main characters all survived likely but also conceivably they could have been blown up and god what a what a cliffhanger That's a, i love love with every part of me the next issue box, which is oh. Heaven Skate? <laughs> question mark. <laughs> oh. Again, a good episode of Streets of Rage. Yeah. But back to full-on, like, Mark yes. Miller nonsense again, you know. Uh, this this first page where Skates is roaring down the streets on his skates. Out of my way, you jerks! And he literally throws himself off the end of a pier. And as he goes, like, two passers-by who seem to notice him go... Look at that jerk skates. He's going to drown himself. Yeah, good riddance. <laughs> it's... I love this. <laughs> That's so stupid. Yeah. That's very Mark Miller. Uh, yeah, I think people who are like Mark Miller fans, who read Mark Miller all the time, are able to read it the way I read this. Mm. I'm unable to do that because there's just some difference in tone, but I'm glad that I'm able to like lean in and enjoy what they do because I love it in this. Yeah. Oh, uh, just as I turn the page and look at Mr. X here, I went and I checked the uh, the game yeah. on this one. Yeah, this rendition of Mr. X is very definitely based on the sprite of Mr. X okay. from the Streets of Rage 2 game, but he has been drawn with a beard here, oh. and I think that's just a, an artifact of the fact that if you looked at the sprite a certain way, you, you could believe it had a beard on it. Oh, right. You know, he, he obviously didn't have any art to reference, he just had the, the game itself, and you yeah. know what 16-bit sprites were like, if you looked yeah. at him from an angle, you could believe X, Y, or Z about him, and yeah, if you looked yeah. at Mr. X's game sprite, you could definitely believe it had a beard. Are you looking it up there? You look like you're looking it up. I am, yeah, he's got a, yes, there's, it's the shading under his chin of his neck mm. that can be read as beard, yeah. So I don't know who that guy in the first strip was, that bald guy who, with a cigar between his fingers who leant over the table. <laughs> That's the fun thing, is like, you know, that guy looked like a Mr. X that guy looked like yeah. a proper Sydney Green Street uh, or Edward G. Robinson type Meh, crime boss. Now I want him dead. I want his whole family dead. Type, you know. Whereas this guy looks like a David. I think we made the comparison last issue. This is a David Xanatos. This is a business villain for the 1990s. A bemulleted, bearded, business suited corporate raider who does crime secretly on the side. <laughs> and sounds like Riker. Yes. So. I like this, and there's not much really to say about it, except that, oh, I'll tell you one thing. We do kind of have the... I, I've been making the constant complaint that the... Uh, what I think of as the Streets of Rage cast, mm. which is everybody I recognise from the previous one, haven't had much to do. They're a little bit more in their element yeah. here. They've got... They're part of the plan. I enjoy how much they've put the shit up, Mr. X, in this. 
Because yes. I, I like in media when those big preening <laughs> untouchable crime types, those guys who think nobody could ever lay a finger on them, get a finger laid on them. And then yeah. completely, like, all their organs fall out their arse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Axel grabs him by the, by the tie uh, with gun in hand. Spit it out or I'll let Max have you. And, and Mr. X just just losing it. He's shaking. Don't you understand? We're all gonna die! <laughs> yeah. And, like, the helicopter that is supposed to be picking him up, which landed last issue, takes off. Is like, nope. He nopes out yeah. of there. And <laughs> then it's, like this. I'm off. as he's leaving, Skates hucks the bomb and blows the chopper up. <laughs> Yeah, he fires it like a missile yeah. through the sky. Well, that's all the momentum from all the skating, isn't it? <laughs> oh, of course. Well, <laughs> yes, it, the, you don't actually see him do it. There's a, like, what did that? And then it, it skates. So I, I actually didn't think of that at the time. But you're right, yes, he must have had a big skate to do that. Yeah, yeah the full length of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like, what about the second bomb? Did you defuse the second bomb? And he's sweating, he's that. shaking his fists. Yeah, I love how badly the willies have been put up him. Because yeah. I just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly he's relying on them to have been better heroes than they were. Yeah. What second bomb? Boop. And then we cut to a man tied up on a toilet, gagged, trousers on, not using the toilet. Yeah. He's just been put there because, I don't know, Mark Miller. He's just like, what would be worse? He's on a toilet. I mean, I was going to say it's because you can put someone in a toilet and then the door be locked. So... If anybody tried to open it, they would just think there'd be somebody in there so nobody could find him. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But who locked the toilet? <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> oh, I, no, I know who locked the toilet. I bet they got a passing schoolboy because schoolboys were very good at locking toilet cubicles from the outside. Oh, 10 piece into the screw and just. Uh, Is that what yeah. they did? <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> and it zooms in, like before, it zooms in on the bomb. T minus one sex. <laughs> I, because this is episode five, I assume, therefore, the next one is the last one? Uh, yeah, I guess it must be. I, I'm sad about that. I want this to continue on. Yeah, it's been fun this time. We're never going to have anything like it. Yeah, not, that it not that it was said that this time as if it wasn't fun last time, but uh, it hasn't got old. It wasn't as fun last time. Yeah, I think it, this might be... Yeah, the last one was adhering very closely to the 80s action movie formula. This one feels like it's mixing that up a bit with some, like, 80s teen gang stuff. Yeah, there's there's a few things going on here uh, at the same time. And also he has the bravado now to do the bomb strapped to a man yeah. stuff, which I don't think he'd have got away with in series one. I don't know, man. Do you remember when that dude killed that one dude on panel, gangster style shot to the head for letting his drug factory oh. be blown up? Oh, he did, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, after that... <laughs> This is just 2000 AD stuff. It's this is it's out of a or or maybe not 2000 AD, but one of those old-fashioned boys comics. It's it doesn't belong in Sonic the Comic, but I mean, I'm so glad that they got to do it. Yeah. It does belong in Streets of Rage. Well, I mean, I don't know. You and I, I mean, to you and me and maybe many other people who read this podcast, this is kind of what we think of Streets of Rage. Streets of uh, Rage is that 80s action movie thing. But I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there who wouldn't think of Streets of Rage as an 80s action movie style thing at all and probably think of it as being more Japanese in, in origin, you know, even though yeah. it's certainly, it's like the Japanese take on, a, like, 80s street gang violence, crime-ridden New York stuff, you know? Speaking of which, there was a video uncovered, like, in the past week at time of recording, 
which is like um, uh, some sort of a sample that was given out of like what Sega is going to do that you can invest in in the next. Oh yes, I saw that. The standout thing was that it had the Sonic One like demo setup with a sort of a victory pose he does at the yes. end of the level that's missing from the final game. The second zone, we've always known it had UFOs in the sky because we had this weird grainy old photograph. Turns out they're like Saturn planets with the rings rotating round, so you can just watch this stuff. But also, if you keep the video on, it's all talking in Japanese, so I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know what it says, but they bring up what becomes Streets of Rage. What's the Japanese name for Streets of Rage? Uh, Bare Knuckle. Bare Knuckle, yeah. And it brings it up as something forthcoming. So they haven't got much footage from it. They've got drawings of the cast. And as they show the drawings of the cast, and I think the title screen... The music that plays is a not chip tune. It's like actually recorded, you know, sort of guitar version of the Golden Axe tune. Really, <laughs> the one that I've been using, <laughs> you know, for <laughs> yeah. open up like here i don't know if this is true i'm only extrapolating from that but wouldn't it make total sense if the original concept for streets of rage was golden axe future i mean doesn't that make a lot of sense well yes and no yes in that it's the same type of game but no Mm -hmm. in that why Why not? They may have just caught wind that there are people out there in the world who aren't interested in sword and sorcery stuff and uh, might respond more to a modern city. I don't know. I think it's possible. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like just because a demo used a piece of fill-in music, I don't know that you can jump to that <laughs> conclusion. I'm jumping straight to it. I'm boinging right over it. News Here's one that I actually had. Oh, yeah, I actually... The first page of the news zone is um, that Urban Strike, the sequel to Jungle Strike and Desert Strike, is uh, coming out for the Mega Drive. I had Urban Strike. Did you? It makes it sound really cool. Was it as cool as it sounds? I, it took me a while to get to grips with it, but I remember really enjoying yeah. it once I did. It just sounds like there's so many interesting things to do. You are helicoptering around, but then it says... You tell me what this is all about. It, it mm. says that you also get to follow the terrorists on foot inside the buildings with a close-up view to ensure none of the action is missed and discover and disarm time bombs. So you're not just in a chopper flying around pew-pewing things. You're getting down on the ground exploring buildings? Yeah, but it's not very different uh, because it's the same isometric view and you're just... You just walking a little man around and shooting the same guns. Um, you're just uh-huh. not helicoptering and able to jink and strafe around the way that you can in your copter. Still, it sounds like it puts an interesting twist on it. I mean, I never played any of them, so I don't know. I'd completely forgotten about that aspect of the game, though. And I even oh. had to go and pull up a YouTube video to make sure that made it into the finished game. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> it did, so by the way, it did. But I didn't. I, and then I saw the video and I was like, oh, yeah, but I did not right. remember it. <laughs> not the highlight of any playthrough then. Not to my recollection. I remember it being pretty tough though, but I was also a dumb child, so what do I know? 
<laughs> but no, it gives it. This review gives the game the impression that they, having established the sort of I'm a helicopter pew pew uh, controls of the previous games, this time they're going, okay, how about I am a full action movie now? Yeah. And whatever that entails, we're just throwing it in. Game Gear flips, Sonic Spinball spreads to Sega Portable. Genuinely didn't know that, that Sonic Spinball came out on the Game Gear. So yeah, that did happen. Uh, then we have a very boring bit about how a particular car driving man has a particular car driving game that just looks the same as all the other ones to me personally. Yeah, I did get a chuckle out of... I mean, I know the name Mario Andretti, so I appreciated the headline. Super Mario Andretti gets in gear. <laughs> yep, so he's got a racing game. Um... And then, as with... Actually, there's two little inset boxes. One is the Game Gear one about Sonic Spinball. Then there's Master System Goes Daffy. And in both cases, is this our first real indication in STC that things seem to have dried up for the 8-bits now? I feel like it's the first time they're being openly honest about how there haven't been many games for them recently. Yeah, because it says the Game Gear Portable has also been short on titles lately. And things have been quiet recently on the Master System. So, yeah, it's a sort of mm. admission that there's not a lot going on there with those. But what, what is this? Uh, Daffy Duck in Hollywood, mm -hmm. Ultimate Soccer, and Asterix and the Great Rescue are all coming to the Master System. Asterix was always a sort of a... You could reliably release and expect to be released Asterix games on the Master System, I think. No one really minded if they came out... No one was, yes, a new Asterix game. But they kept doing it. It was old faith. I think it was like three of them on the Master System or something. And then uh, what's in the short bursts? Like, it's not a, not a thrilling news zone. No, not really. Um, FIFA's coming out on the Mega CD and admits to being basically the same, but with a couple of more animations and stuff. Plenty of bells and whistles. But, quote, it will also carry a price tag, £5 sterling cheaper than the original Mega Drive version. And why not? Compact discs aren't as expensive as cartridges to manufacture. Publishers of Mega CD software, take note. Make games cheaper, please. Yeah. Yeah, because speaking of price, I realise we didn't flag it up back during the reviews one, but they do make a point of noting that Streets of Rage is expensive at fifty nine ninety nine. Oh. So, yeah. I don't Makes know. sense. It was a legacy title. I suppose. Um, two delayed releases, maybe of interest. God, mm -hmm. uh, that's if that's some way to introduce a new segment. <laughs> maybe of interest. The long-awaited Mega CD conversion of Mortal Kombat and the American football simulation NFL Quarterback Club for the Mega Drive, that one. Won't be seen until, heavens, this November. <laughs> <laughs> and it was supposed to have come out the previous year, so actually that's a, that's a big delay. I wonder what's going yeah. on there. Monster in the making. Monster trucks for the Mega Drive. Watching huge modified trucks speed around demanding dirt tracks is a popular pastime for Americans. But why watch when you can participate? Well, now you can in October when they claim release monster trucks for the Mega Drive. I imagine the Americans already would have known about monster trucks, but I certainly didn't. Yeah, I don't know that I did either off the top of my head, I suppose. No, I tell you one kid who would. There was a kid in my class who... Um, annoyed me when I was a big fan of well I was a big fan of Terry Pratchett's book Truckers and they brought it onto TV Cosgrove Hall did a version of it for ITV CITV it was really really good and I one day I brought in the book of Truckers because I wanted to draw a little flick book in the bottom right hand corner of the characters from Truckers doing stuff mm. and um and I did word got round someone someone said oh Dave's got the book of Truckers and this boy went you've got Truckers you've got Truckers Almanac 93 <laughs> I'm like no mate what? No. 
<laughs> what are you on about? I can't remember exactly what it was he said. It wasn't Trucker's Almanac 93, but it was some uh, something to do with trucks. And well, I, had, I was going to say, does he, was he looking for monster trucks or was he looking for like the farmer's almanac? I genuinely didn't know then, don't know now. At the time, <laughs> I assumed the latter. I assumed he just was an old man interested in... Uh, Lorries. Yes, I didn't get it. And he probably was. He probably was thinking about of just like vehicles like like you know um our our nephew when he was little was right into eddie stobart vans just because they were big vehicles i don't know i don't get sure, it sure no no i i remember when i worked in the comic shop and when the comic shop started stocking cds and dvds branched out and it's and later in its life i remember there was a, a people were into eddie stobart stuff <laughs> don't get it but i remember it <laughs> yeah so um Maybe there's a life... Listen, we're doing a podcast about a video game comic from 1993. <laughs> Who are we to judge? Hey, yeah, quite right. I mean, I will judge people into wrestling. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, WWF I mean, yeah. Raw for the Mega Drive and Game Gear. Yeah, based on the Royal Rumble event, but with loads more bolted on, say a claim. Oh, well, anything interesting? Doubt it. <laughs> no, I liked a bit of wrestling when I was when yeah. I was doing about this age. Uh-huh. Uh, sort of osmosis as a result of my brother being really into it, but... Uh-huh. Uh, but uh no i uh no not not for yourself dude no i'm i'm currently living through a sort of a crisis where like loads of people that i am friends with and respect turn out to be not just into wrestling including you know like a guy whose podcast i've been on and stuff like that, but have wrestling podcasts themselves and are really really into wrestling it's like Oh, that one no. is a bit weird to me. I'm not sure where the crossover is with all the sci-fi fantasy fandom stuff that you and I are into. Yeah. I, I don't know where the crossover is that makes so many people into wrestling. When I express my dismay at this, someone always leans in out of the woodwork to go like, ah, but what you don't understand is that it's like a sort of pantomime. It's like, no, 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 I know. I don't think it's a real sport. I'm not, I'm not about to go like, you know, it's fake, don't you? I, I know. I know yeah. you know that and that it's theatre and all that. I just... I just it's naked guys slapping each other. Like, it's, I, it's, it happens not to be a thing that I'm into, and I don't quite know why there's such a reliable crossover between the sort of yeah. wargaming, Star Trek watching area of life and wrestling. Uh, I, no, I don't get it. Uh, not that I don't get wrestling. I don't get the crossover. I don't. You can like comics and cartoons yeah. and sci fi and fantasy. And wrestling, apparently. I don't know what it is. It might be an age thing. Maybe we just came up at Maybe. the right time with some of the big, great personalities. You know, my granny was a big fan of wrestling from the, you know, the old type wrestling. Do you know? So yeah. was my grandpa. Yeah, yeah. He watched wrestling. It was one of the only two sports. Your, uh, your, your giant haystacks and the like. Oh, you know, yeah. the Proper old guys. <laughs> it was a, it sort of America brought their monster truck mindset to wrestling, didn't they? And and it was a similar sort of thing. But um. No, it could simply be my own damage, though, because in my experience and at my primary school, which was the last time wrestling was, you know, really talked about. In your life. Yeah. It was the unpleasant kids who were into wrestling. You did find that, didn't you? Yeah, it was a... There seemed to be a very immediate correlation between the watching of wrestling and the doing of violence to peers at school. Yep. uh, which correlates with what I would, but seemingly most people would not, see as a straight line, logically speaking. But I... I'm... Well... 
Well, <laughs> and Bubsy's coming back. And Bubsy's coming. Yeah, there he is. Bubsy 2, which did also happen. I had to do a quick check on that one. Basically, ah. it's got to the point now with the news on, whereas on, unless I played it, I just checked to make sure anything happened or not. Because <laughs> yeah. we've, we've had a, a point in the news zone recently where it seems to be more common than it didn't. Just a madbird! Just a page of madbirds! Over the page! Uh, it's the reservation coupon again. Yeah. And then below that, we've seen these ads before. We have. It's the Judge Dread magazine ad with no pictures or anything. Yeah, the banner the version. Fortnite creeps, the banner. And then, well, this one is a sort of new one. It's Thanks. an ad for the third volume of The Giver. Yep, they're keeping that up. I, ass- yeah. I assume it got all the way through episode 12, but I don't know. Oh, if yeah, they... It must, they must have released all 12. I can't imagine there'll be ads for no. all 12 in every issue of STC, but uh, I feel like I have to read this plot summary. Yes, please. Blurb here, just in this. Commander Gyo arrives from Kronos headquarters to lead the recovery of the Giver units. Meanwhile, Kronos Japan creates the Hyperzoanoid Zerbabus in a desperate <laughs> attempt to eliminate the Giver. The Zerbabus is coming, Chris. <laughs> and everybody's jumping, Dave! <laughs> and then we. <laughs> and then we got a compo! Compo! This is Here our is. spin into action with Sonic from Spinner's Kellogg's Frosties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a layout issue going on there. There's a slight uh, don't dare open inside thing going <laughs> on with the, uh, with the header on this. Uh, spin into action with Sonic Spinner's from Kellogg's Frosties. Good set of prizes, though. I do agree. The first prize, three available. Well, the, the way they write it is the Sega Multi Mega CD Drive. Ooh. So it's the the Multi Mega, the, uh, the yeah. composite Mega Drive Mega CD unit that we've heard about in previous Coolest issues. prize around. And two games plus an exclusive Sonic Spinner. That's a yo-yo, remember, folks. Not a little frisbee this Not time. a little green frisbee to bonk on your brother's head. <laughs> the second prize is, again, phrased very strangely, the Sonic 3 Mega Drive with the latest game. <laughs> it's a Mega Drive with Sonic 3. Yeah. But it doesn't even see, it's not written. themed in any way, it's just a Mega yeah, Drive Yeah, yeah, I was thinking it might be themed, but right. it's not. And then the third prize is the Sonic Pinball game plus a Sonic Wrist game. That's a little, little LCD wa- yeah. watch type LCD game, yes. And the uh, the pinball game, the motorized Tomy pinball game we've seen in past issues as well. Yeah. Dave. Hi. These yo-yos look fantastic. I know, right? Look at them. Look at them. Big, I was assuming like a little cheap uh, printed sticker or something. No, no big fully molded three-dimensional designs. One Tails, one Sonic, one Robotnik, and one Tony yeah. the Tiger. Sonic in, of course, Sonic in a spin attack. It's uh, Adventures Robotnik, but well, it's yes. it's that version of Adventures Robotnik that showed up on things like Happy Meal Toys, where it's mm. a little bit off from the actual design in the cartoon, <laughs> a little bit. Well, I mean, everything on these is a little bit off. <laughs> true. Very Yo-yo's true. made out of soft rubber molding, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you remember yo-yo's? Well, they weren't they having some sort of a craze at the time? Yes, that's it. That's, that's, it seems to me... Yeah. You lived your life like a like a yo-yo in the wind. <laughs> Yo-yos definitely came and went several times in the length of time right. I was at school. Yeah, but this was the first 
big yo-yo craze era that I can remember. Yeah. When people were into yo-yos again for some yeah, reason. Yeah, this was like a craze. People came to schools to demo their yo-yo skills. There were tournaments going on. I remember like one or two other definite booms of yo-yos. And <laughs> I'm sh- at least one more while I was at school. And I'm sure they happened again a few times after I left uh-huh. school. And it's nothing it, like it's not unusual. You know, you look at the last couple of years and how fidget spinners had their yeah. day in the sun and everything. You know, it, the yo-yo could come back again still. Um, but I feel, Dave, you must have an answer to the question that is the entry for this quiz. Oh, I've not looked. Which is, if Tony the Tiger featured in his own computer game, oh. what would it be called and why? Oh. And I don't know that I have an answer because I think we all know in 1994, if that actually happened, it would be a fundamentally unrelated title and the name of the game would simply be Tony the Tiger in yes. Cupcake Chaos or something <laughs> like that. You know, it would be an unrelated game premise that Tony the Tiger was in. Alright, let's pitch a Tony the Tiger game. So Tony the Tiger, right, he rises up, keeps pushing himself against the challenge of his rivals. He, uh... <laughs> I was wondering if that's where you're going with that. Frosties. They're great! When you've hit a home run, there's nothing like the great taste of Frosties as part of your nutritious breakfast. He's got the eye of the tiger. Two of them. Is he collecting Frosties? Are they the rings or the coins of this? This is the thing. Yeah, I feel like you would have different denominations. So they'd just be Frosties, like individual Frosties. They would be... In- yeah, but would they be individuals or would they be bowls? They would be individuals. They'd be a collectible tokens, like, just dotted around the place, like your Pac-Man coin dots. Or your ring, But yeah. then there would be bowls to collect for, you know, an extra life or something like that. Would it be bowls would be ten flakes and a packet would be an extra life. Exactly. But the thrust of the challenge would be that as Tony was just trying to go around enjoying uh, Frosties, people on Twitter would be perving over him and <laughs> and uh, you'd have to fend off their, their porn that they've drawn of him. I forget that that's what a lot of people associate Tony <laughs> the Tiger with these days, to be honest. Uh, to me, I don't know if he'd even started doing it in adverts yet, but, but when I think back to my youth and Tony the Tiger and Frosties ads, it was always about getting children into slightly extreme sports. That's right, yeah. Like scootering and, and skateboarding and skating. Hence the Eye of the Tiger episode, which was still... I I still think the lyrics to Eye the Tiger goes, but with Tony beside me, I can do whatever oh, thing. I forgot about that. That's right. It always, when I hear the real Eye of the Tiger, I always trip oh, over yeah. them. This is a real song. Yeah. <laughs> Rising up with the Eye of the Tiger. Nice, nice try. Took my chances. Went the distance. Now I'm back Let's break, Tony. You got it. Hey, play for the court. You're on. you've had a great game there's nothing like the great taste of frosties as part of your nutritious breakfast kellogg's frosties they're great oh that's the name of the game isn't it tony the tiger in eye of the there tiger you go. there we go got it done boom give me them yo-yos i want them and then on the back of the box it'd be like praise for tony the tiger in eye of the tiger <laughs> and then it wouldn't even be a fake quote because some magazine that had been paid to give it a positive review because it wouldn't be a good game. It wouldn't be a good would game. Would just say, it's great. 
and that would be the review. You're <laughs> teeing up the game to give the reviewers the line that they're going to put at the end of yeah. the review. There must be such an industry in naming products or coming up with ideas of products where the reviewer won't be able to resist saying something because it would oh, be yeah. a joke that actually would benefit the sale of that product, and that's the only reason it exists. I'm starting to think a little too seriously about this now that <laughs> there's actually a title because, as I say, this would be fundamentally unrelated to the character of Tony the Tiger or children learning how to rollerblade. Um <laughs> And given that we've called it the Eye of the Tiger, you've got to assume it involves a gemstone with that name that somebody has stolen. Was there a baddie in the Frosty's ads? No. Was there? No, there was for a while, was wasn't there? Yeah, wasn't there somebody who was like trying to I don't know. steal something like a wolf or something? Pause it. We're looking it up. <laughs> All right, we're back now. Um, his name was Tiger Man. They weren't trying too hard with that one, but he was an evil tiger who was trying to steal the Frosty secret formula. That ring any bells? No. Go back into the 80s on this one, so it was a bit dated by the time that they would have run in this contest, but uh, I do remember it. Yeah, and, and uh, Tony had like a little black and white cat friend. No, I don't. I mean... Not a one. Oh, well, you're going to have to look that up yourself then. I am now looking at a picture of Tiger Man from 1986, and I, I don't recognize yeah. him, I'm afraid. So like maybe he's stolen this jewel and he's going to ransom it in return for the secret formula of the Frosties, or... But now that I know there was just a guy who was trying to steal the formula for the Frosties, it would make sense that he just stole all the Frosties but there was a hole in the sack and that's why there are Frosties lying everywhere ah, as you went through the game to collect them. Yeah, that's why you're, you're not just going after them because you like Frosties. You're on your way to find the guy who's stealing everyone's Frosties, say. Yeah. So the end of each level is that you each area is another place where Tiger Man has stolen all the Frosties from. So the end of each level is you like essentially like making it rain but with Frosties. So like there's people jumping up and catching them as they rain out of the sky. <laughs> oh yeah, when you jump on the capsule at the end of the level exactly, and the yeah. You see, Tiger Man was really a kindly scientist <laughs> named Dr. Namrigit and, uh, Oh, you came to that quickly Namrigit. Frosties to uh, put a machine but then it exploded and scattered the Frosties everywhere <laughs> um, There's something in this we could have won is, this yeah. this. I think we should, go into, <laughs> we should go into game design We're quite good at it um, Well British video game design from the <laughs> mid-1990s. A very specific school of video game design we're speaking to here. <laughs> now, it's worth mentioning that, yes, there are four yo-yos. A Tales of Sonic, a Robotnik, and a Tony the Tiger. Yes. Also, by the way, I looked up the other prize, which is the Sonic, uh, what are they calling it, uh, wrist game. Yes. I, I can't tell if it is a watch. It's a, If you've seen the Mario game well, and watch... It goes round your wrist like a watch. Yes. Um, and what it's got is it's got a big plastic Sonic, like, coming off the side of it. So it's like, you know, it's adorned with this big sticky offy 3D Sonic. But, um, yeah, it's basically like the Tiger handheld games, except it is actually a bespoke one. It's not just one of the Tiger handhelds printed in a different shape. It's a yeah. it's a new one, but certainly contemporary with and of that sort. Um, I really want it now. Uh, yeah. Interestingly, uh, when I was looking it up online, someone has 3D printed a close facsimile of one and painted it up to resemble it. Of course, it doesn't work. Don't know why they've done it. Maybe it does work, but I don't think it does. <laughs> I'm curious. It does say that the first prize is an exclusive Sonic Spinner. So does that mean it's the fifth kind? Like something special about it available oh. only in this contest? Huh. Don't know. 
Oh, I, you know, I haven't even bothered reading out the rest of this. Is that mm. they flash and light up? Oh, do they? Yeah, they've all lights and stuff. Oh, they don't they flash like in motion, light up, and perform the ultimate sensational tricks, and all at supersonic warp speed. Phew. <laughs> right. Well, and have you seen there's a TV advert for it? I have not. Please. There is a TV advert for the Sonic Spinner, which is, you know, significant for Sonic lorists in that it has animation in it of Sonic. They've got a team to animate Sonic, and of course it'll be... I'm looking at it right now. It'll be the team who are doing Tony the Tiger as well. So it's a very Western, boingy sort of style, you know, yeah. better in quality than you would get from Adventures of. Well, hard to get worse. <laughs> now you can take Sonic around the world. <laughs> Make him loop the loop or walk the dog with this Sonic Spinner only from Kellogg's Frosties. There are four to collect with tokens on special Frosties packs to be this great takes Frosties. And uh, Tony the Tiger has a Sonic 3 poster on his wall in his <laughs> unlit bedroom. Very eerie lighting effect. I don't know why they've gone with that oh i do to imply that the yo-yo is the main source of light in the room yeah well it's not that eerily lit it's nighttime there's a moon outside yeah nobody hasn't turned the light on so you've got the shape of the moonlight coming in listen <laughs> tony the tiger does not have a lot of use for lights in his bedroom if you know what i mean <laughs> he's got more important things to be taken care of in there like f***ing Tails! <laughs> Tails! The Morbidden Hunt, Part 2, written by Mark Isles, art by Casanovas, colours by John M. Burns, with letters by Elita Fell. Tails is attacked by a griffin, and while attempting to flee the beast, accidentally lures it over a cliff to its doom. Witnessing this, a pair of centaurs take Tails back to their village, where he's hailed as a hero, despite his usual feeble protests. The centaurs give Tails a ship so that he can pursue the goblins over the sea, but Tails soon loses control of the vessel and crashes on the beach, where he's found by Goblin Prince Catalus. That about covers it. Um, Does my tone tell you anything, Dave? Does my tone tell you anything? <laughs> oh, I do not enjoy the way Mark Isles writes Tails at all. He is a useless child. He is. Yeah, the, I see what you have been trying to describe to me. Every couple of panels in this, there is a... Well, this one is an inset panel of him going, What am I doing here? I'm no hero. It should have yeah. been Sonic who was brought to the Nameless Zone. Literally talking to the audience. And then and then he can't stop the boat. Oh, yeah. it's awful. Oh, I can't it's stop despicable. the boat. Boring, and he falls out. But what we do have here is similar to last time. I really like the artwork on the backgrounds oh, here. Gorgeous, gorgeous work, absolutely. Yeah. Cannot argue with it in this. The, you know what? Uh, mm, there is one thing I will call up. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not really a feeling of the art because it just goes perfectly hand in hand with the script, which is there's not a single f***ing panel of Tales without that moronic, gape-faced Yes, look. it's strange, yes. Every panel. Wide-eyed, staring off, jaw hanging, like <laughs> look. It's... Yes, what he does is he draws tails his open mouth with the tongue. Not, it's not that the tongue is hanging out, but it's that it fills the whole bottom of the mouth, and the top of the mouth is like its own unit. So it does look like his tongue is hanging loose in, in every panel if you read it that way. It's a constant slack jawry. I. Uh... And it, it wouldn't be so bad in and of itself. But, but I mean, all he's doing is just matching his art to the tone that the script is setting oh, yeah. for the character. Yeah, no, the art is good. The art is good in this. Yeah. We do have another pair of Mark Isles 
conspicuously named yes. guest characters, except this time I can't figure out what the reference I is. I don't get it. You know, we've had Lauren and Hardy and Schwartz and Egger in Wonder Boy. We had um, Morsi and Wisey in yeah. the most recent Wonder Boy strip. And this time Tails met a pair of centaurs named Ginny and Neddy. And I don't get a reference No. There. So we don't get that. that. We don't get that joke. Sorry. It's definitely something. But we're too young to get it. We're not well read. <laughs> Hooray! Finally, we've found the thing we're too young for. <laughs> if anybody out there knows, though, why two centaurs, horse people, would be named Ginny and Neddy. A female donkey is called a Jenny, not a Ginny, a Jenny. And a Neddy is a slang word for a, a, a donkey. So that seems to be what the reference is, but it's not exactly on the level of Lauren and Hardy. No. It's probably lower than Laurel and Hardy, because Laurel and Hardy made me see red for a while. <laughs> I don't know. God, there's nothing good going on here at all. I mean, not much else to say besides that. Gorgeous art. Absolutely gorgeous. But for the fact that the environments and characters don't look like they belong in the world of Sonic. But... I'm glad you see what I was getting at now. Yeah. I suppose it hasn't really come across in the previous chapter, but I was remembering yeah. how much I didn't like Isles' handling of the character in the rest of the series and the future serials that he'll write. This, this gape-mouthed idiot child blundering through... Like, the story happens to Tails. Mm. He takes no active role in it. The story happens around him. Yeah. It's not like like when Kitching would write the character, like at least the, like, like the central conflict of The Land Beyond was whether or not Errol would find out and then when he found out if he would tell the Enchanter Kings or something, you know, something was actually happening. It was because of Tails' deception that this conflict emerged. Mm. Whereas in this, it's just, he's just stumbling through a bunch of set pieces that have no relation to him as a character. Yeah, he's on a track, isn't he? But as you say, that one panel where he literally turns to the audience <laughs> and going, what am I doing here? I'm no hero. It should have been Sonic. And I'm like, shut up. Now, while we're praising Casanova's art, though, here we have... A rare instance in STC, certainly the first I think we've seen, of the sound effects drawn by the artist. Oh, that yeah. beautiful crunch as the griffin hits yeah. the ground, and it's you know it's like the word crunch is itself splintering and shattering splintering into little rocks. With the impact, yeah. I don't know if it's the first time we've ever seen an artist do the lettering, but it's Feels certainly like the it. most notable. Yeah, definitely something like that. I wouldn't be so sure about that scree on the top left. Certainly compared to the crunch, which is definitely the crunch is lovely. I must definitely say. painted in, and also the woodshook on the last page. It has an asterisk vibe to it, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. I mean, look at this village of sand. Did you ever see anything as Asterixy? I mean, exactly. I love Casanova's art now. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he first appeared in SDC, I was like, well, okay, cool. But now, gimme, gimme, gimme more comics by this guy. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting here trying to think he'll do this Tales. I remember one or two future Sonics he'll do. Yeah. I don't remember him ever doing any more Taleses or multi-part strips or anything, but it's gorgeous to look at, even if it's not a, a great match for the world of Sonic. Yeah. I don't mind that. The art overcomes my... Uh... Oh, I mean, it obviously it helps whenever it is a whole other... Literally a whole other world yeah, full true. of creatures that aren't from Sonic's world. Yeah. As compared to, you know, the, some of those little birds and bears and things we've seen when he tries to draw the Green Hill Zone or whatever. Beautiful environments. Though. Yeah. Look at that bat-winged goblin ship, like something out of Pirates of Dark Water. God, that picture of the two ships is absolutely brilliant it's so good they both are you've got tails on his normal fantasy ship with its golden prow and, and all that and then you've got this what looks like a sort of half mechanical dragon oh it's 
Well, it's a flying ship. Fantastic, yeah. Oh, I see the rope there. It's anchored to the mountain. Yeah. I love the colors in this panel. Look, look at all the hard shadows. You've got the brown rock, but then the shadow is a purple. Yeah. You know, or the way the uh, the water is. It's a seafoam green. It's, you know, whereas many artists would draw water as blue. You know, he's yeah. gone for a, a lovely seafoam green or those those blue and purple shaded rocks further down the beach. You know, and up behind Tails's ship, where you get the froth from his ship, it goes into like a wine bottle deep green mm. back there oh beautiful lovely, lovely, beautiful lovely, lovely lovely casanovas what comics have you done let me see oh wait wait that's not casanovas the coloring is is a separate colorist isn't there yes, john the, this is john burns on the coloring yeah. but um i can't remember if burns colored the previous casanovas art we've seen either way it it's a beautiful fits together so well so well yeah i mean it, it was a rare enough instance that you would see a different artist color someone else's line art in sonic the comic but yeah any instances i can think of it off the top of my head are all john m burns coloring someone else's line art this looks like these two people should always work together yeah it's got a really great euro comic album yeah style to it it's absolutely brilliant and i'm rather sad that when i googled just now casanova's john m burns all that's coming up is sonic the comic stuff john m burns is the name i recognize from other comic productions uh-huh. i'm pretty sure and what about casanova's do we know what else he's done i did a bunch of like so many other guys who've been on sonic the comic you did a lot of 2080 stuff and uh looking him up a lot of the uh Famous girls comics of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, too. Your Junes, Tammies, Sadies, Ginty, mm. Lindy, Emma, Penny, Mandy. Cuthbert, Dibble, Grub. All those <laughs> British girls comics. Sadly, no longer with us. Uh, died in 2009, unfortunately. Graphic Zone! <laughs> Uh, it's the second of two football-themed graphic zones following on from last issue, although they did promise us a non-Sonic team last issue, which has actually not come to pass. Ah. Uh, all the all the pictures on this page are of Sonic and co. again, and, uh, and it says, Unfortunately, the originally scheduled non-Sonic team are not match-fit, apart from Tails, as they all got <laughs> injured in training and are currently feeling sick as parrots. I don't think we can make much of a guess this issue. Like, there's a few red shirts here, yeah. and that just makes me think either Liverpool or Manchester but yeah. these white ones I got nothing okay then um Spurs <laughs> but fortunately we do have someone to solve this puzzle for us so let's throw over to our sports correspondent Seb Patrick Seb Welcome back to Mobius Park. We're here for the second half of the Graphic Zone football special that Sonic the Comic has done to celebrate the 1994 World Cup. Last time around, we looked at a load of pictures of, of Sonic dressed as Man United and Spurs players. We're going to look at that again, but with a, a couple of differences this time. Once again, we're going to work around the page clockwise from the top right. The top right one, it's Luke Burgess from Western Supermare again. He's making his second appearance on the pages, Dennis. This time he's drawn Tails. Is there much to say about this? He seems to have drawn him in exactly the same kit as he did Sonic. Pretty much the same kit, yeah. Black shorts as well. Sharp, bit less legible. What's Sonic and Tails' relationship to each other? Are they brothers? Uh, they are friends, but Tails' character is very much that he's the annoying younger brother. So. Okay, I was going to say, so like, effectively he's done Gary and Phil Neville. <laughs> Let's move on to Joseph Caddock from Plumstead in London. Um, he has drawn Sonic. Now, there's an interesting thing. We've got three Spurs kits on this page. Um, and in the last issue, uh, we had a Spurs kit that had Holston, the beer company, as a sponsor on it. None of these shirts have got a sponsor on. Uh, there is Sharp on the Man United one. I just wonder if a little trickery has been done by Megadroid and the editors of mm. Sonic the Comic here. <laughs> or it could just be coincidence that none of them have drawn the sponsor. But I wonder if they got in trouble for having a beer company in the last issue. <laughs> um, but anyway, what, what do you think of Joseph from Plumstead's Spurs kit that he's drawn here with the blue and yellow trim? It's nice. It's, it's intended to be... The 
the 93-95 to 95 Spurs kit, which Gary Williams has also done. The blue is a bit lighter than it should be, but it is It's nicely uh, rendered overall. I do wonder, though, like you said, about the Halston missing, because there's no badge on this either on the shirt even though he has the badge and the umber logo on the shorts mm. so did someone just come along and do <laughs> a big white rectangle that was actually too big and covered everything <laughs> I do wonder that but I think my favourite detail on this is the detail at the top of the shorts with the, 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 the drawstring the elastic, that feels yeah. to me like Joseph owns this Spurs kit and owns those shorts <laughs> and is drawing yeah. his own shorts yeah, because yeah. you wouldn't usually like, see that detail on a player <laughs> yeah because as you can see with Gary's the proper waistband had two white stripes so Joseph has them turned <laughs> over um, to make a short step that's shorter like Stuart Pierce used to do <laughs> let's go to the other Spurs kits because the fact that yeah. three of them on it, the page. It's, it's the same kit but it does have the logos Barrett Halston yeah. and it has a little bit more detail like the stripes on the collar pretty well rendered a little bit kind of blocky maybe uh, mm. Gary might have been using a ruler rather than trusting his free hand <laughs> yeah. he, he seems uh, to have more the right shade of navy blue there rather than the yeah, lighter blue of, but of again Joseph he's pencils. standing in front of a net and he has the ball on his hand so is he actually a goalkeeper and should he <laughs> have one of Eric Torstvitz multicoloured uh, options. Um, so Robert Boniface from Cheshire has drawn, again, the, the largest image on the page is this quite heavily coloured, very detailed version. Again, it's missing the Holston logo, but looking at the level of detail in the collar, in the Umbro yeah. logo, in the Spurs badge, it feels like he would have written the sponsor on there. But Dennis, I believe there's a bit of a quibble over this, given when this was drawn and published. Hmm? Yeah, this is actually the 91-93 Spurs kit, the one introduced for the 91 FA Cup final. A very classy kit. It drew a lot of attention at the time because the shorts were much longer than what had mm. been used in the 80s and the early 90s up till then. And finally we come to one that I'm pleased to see. The only non-Manchester United or, or Spurs we've seen in this entire cavalcade is Neil Fisher from Widnes. And he has drawn... I believe he appears to have drawn Sonic in a Liverpool kit, although now that I look at it, I think that's probably questionable. But, but explain what he's done here, Dennis, because it's a bit unusual. Well, yeah, the crest actually looks kind of like a Spurs crest, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of the 93 Liverpool kit, which had two sets of three stripes coming up from the ribs. Liverpool had an asymmetrical kit the, yeah. the years before that, the and then, then a symmetrical one. Yeah, and he's drawn the symmetrical one, but only half of it. <laughs> the shorts are very much like the 91 shorts. Yeah. Is that a sash around his chest, or is it I, a I, I, It looks to me like he's he's holding a, like a flag, maybe, like a sort of yeah, a triangular sorry, flag yeah, triangular that flag. says STCFC. I mean, this, is, got a very this big is the thing, I think Sonic's a little well. confused here. He doesn't really know what year's <laughs> Liverpool kit he's wearing. He's also yeah. not clear. He's, he's wearing a Liverpool kit, suggesting he's playing for them, and at same time he's supporting Sonic the Comic FC and I'm not sure the yeah. FA would look too kindly on a player so openly showing Absolutely allegiance to another not. club while, while playing for one and of course uh, the spike ball is notoriously un yeah that doesn't meet regulations at all does yeah. it no. No. so an interesting one I'm pleased to see Liverpool there but um, yeah I'm not sure if this one really is a, but as I say I do wonder with that flag being across if there's almost you could yeah. almost imagine that that's been cut out and carefully laid over where Neil might have written the word Carlsberg yeah if I was entering it do you know what team I would have put in what team would you have put in, Dennis? Fiorentina. Ah, is that because they were sponsored by Nintendo? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a winner for this page? I think Robert Boniface does something about the drawing that appeals to me. It's nice and tidy and clean. I've just realised my favourite detail on this entire page is that the Tails drawing looks like he's calling for a pass that he's never yeah. going to receive because he's <laughs> Tails and nobody wants to pass to Tails. <laughs> 
Uh, well, thank you, Dennis, for joining us. Uh, I'm going to throw it back over to Chris and Dave in the studio now. Thanks, Seb. Yeah, keeping us right with these sports-themed graphic zones. I hope they're all over. <laughs> they are now. Just Hey, wait a minute. Is that the... Oh, no, sorry, it's not the subscription coupon. In that case, I think earlier in the comic, I described what is actually the newsagent reservation oh. coupon as the subscription oh. coupon, whereas this page has the, the actual mail-away subscription coupon. Mail-away, mail-away, mail-away. That's on the bottom half of the page, and then on the top half of the page is a 2000 AD publication. It's one of their poster progs. Mm. Progs were what they called issues in 2080. So this is a, uh, a poster prog about strontium dog. But look what it is. This is this is the first appearance of Nigel Dobbin in Sonic the Comic. Is it? Oh, well, that is isn't it? it? That is Nigel Dobbin art, isn't it? On the cover, I think there. so. Am I right? I think you're right. That looks like a Nigel Dobbin drawing of this the, creature. The sheepy looking guy. Yeah. yeah, I'm assuming that's the Gronk. Based on the description no. here, a six-page story featuring Farrell and the Gronk. You know, I was—I did not notice the Nigel Dobbin art, for I was just so wrapped up in thinking that Strontium Dog, the poster prog, did sound <laughs> like a Viz comic character. <laughs> yeah, so there he is. There's our pal Nigel. I think we've made clear recently it's starting to feel like we could skip over the Q-Zone. Yeah, more or less. Um, nice to see a couple of friends, though. we got Sonic CD Cheats. Our blue spiky yeah. hero entered a new phase when he appeared on the beloved CD system. Not only did he feature in a small cartoon, but you were also treated to a wonderful mega new Sonic adventure. And here are two great cheats for you. And um, this is one that gets sort of forgotten about. The DA Gardens yeah. cheat, where once you've... I often hear about it as if like you have to finish the game, but it says here you just have to play every level in time attack. And then once mm. you've done that, you'll see DA Gardens on the uh, menu. I don't remember if we ever found out what DA stands for in DA Garden. I don't know. Offhand. But if you select it, what you get is an illustration of the little planet, which can do all fancy scaling, and you can make it spin or go back and forth, and all the time, it's basically just a sound test, but you have this thing to look at, depending on whether you're playing, you know, good future or bad future tracks, the actual drawing of the planet will change. And meanwhile, little Robotniks in Eggomatics and little Metal Sonics and little Flickies and things will go flying around, and little just stuff will happen to keep you interested in what you're looking at on screen. It's quite lovely to look at. I recommend it. They tried to recreate it for the uh, remade version, but actually something about the way we do scaling now doesn't look quite as good. I was intrigued by this one for Aladdin. Mm. They gave, we've given you the complete solution to this excellent platform already. We know you've had the level skip. How about a brand new cheat that shows you a digitized picture of programmer Dave Perry right. and also gives you an option screen with a whole host of cheats. I remember my friend showing me this one working. It says, Dave Perry, what is your wish? And sure enough, there's his head. I, I... What are the options that you get? I can't remember. That's what I'm trying to remember. I mean, it'll be debug mode and stuff won't it something yeah, like that probably. it'll be his because it is he's obviously left it in for himself to get in and do certain things with what those things were i don't currently recall fair enough so it's one of those exciting things we had back in those days it's the all the cheats menu i miss cheats yeah they've made you feel so special and magic 
and bad at the same time. Nope, not me. I, it didn't Never. occur to me to feel bad about it no, at all. Well, uh, naughty, I should say then. Not even. Nope. I mean, and but bear in mind that, you know, I didn't know anything wrong about pirating games, for instance. It just didn't occur Don't to me. Don't copy to... that floppy. Yeah, no, I, I, that wouldn't have occurred to me. We didn't have that slogan here <laughs> yeah. as far as I'm aware. And uh, so I just did, because you could, so of course you should. Obviously you should borrow records from the library and record them onto a tape and then give them back. Because that's the function of a machine in your house. Why shouldn't you do it? Well, maybe in your house, dear. Well, a record player with a tape deck. Not that rare. Didn't have one. Really? Not that I know of, anyway. Uh, But we've already ascertained last episode, I don't really listen to music. (laughs) <laughs> yes we did oh that's so weird i do like this in the game genie bit for bart versus the space mutants i carumba is a typical bart like offering to the english language other sayings can be yours to use freely with these genie tabulous codes <laughs> they're as fed up with the q zone as we are uh, yeah not understanding the young people and their new interests <laughs> and their media Pirate STC, Part 2. Written and drawn by Stephen Bliss. Letters by Steve Potter. The kidnapped kids, Sackhead, Flame, Gurr, Bob, and their pet chicken, Dog, are tossed into the Mouth of Mission by Fezhead and Skull, sending them into a bizarre game that Fezhead controls. The group is divided, and Flame and Sackhead wind up in a fighting tournament, while Gurr and Bob find themselves in a cartoon wonderland full of cute animals who are being menaced by the evil Granny 8-Ball. Well, I'm glad you were able to ascertain any of that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I honestly, genuinely couldn't tell what was going on. Where are you? I'm even looking at it now. Where's this fighting tournament you're talking about? Uh, well, that's with the guy with the uh, Viking helmet and the wooden oh, spoon in his mouth and the yes. little Blanca caricature beside him. The uh, sackhead and flame drop in. Nice of you to drop in. Fresh meat for the tournament. Yes, the, re- the reason I'm getting confused is that the only sort of real establishing background between them is that one has a sort of green aspect and the other has a sort of orange aspect. And it's other than that, you can't really tell where they are. Well, yeah, but I mean, like the, the, the preceding page, which is a full page splash of the kids yes. going, down the tubes after they're shoved into this large it's not a euphemism this large mechanical cartoon mouth Mm -hmm. they're all pushed inside then they go down some tubes and there uh, there are two panels at the bottom and two separate tubes lead into these two panels so oh and i now see that that's a blanker joke yes yes there's a little green hunched man with orange fiery looking hair and he's going mama for some reason what a... Oh, yeah. wi- <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't find the panel. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I'm not surprised. I can't find myself in the room when I'm trying to read this. It's... God, there's so- this is so weird. There's something about this that, that stops me from seeing what's going on in it. Even though I can't point to, like, a drawing that I can say, like, there's a bad drawing or there's a drawing that I find difficult to pass. It's, it's just that... It's just cacophonous. Yeah. Yes! And it's meant to be. Yeah, it's, it's all that it's doing is on purpose. You know? Yeah. And it's not like there aren't some good jokes in here. You know, uh, Fuzzhead asks the kids for their names. So the guy with the shades and the beanie hat is Sackhead. The guy with the 
shades and the the shock of fiery hair is flame the girl is grr and the guy with the cap is bob and then the chicken pipes up and says its name is dog and i'm free range buster and then Fezhead says how comes your chicken speaks english and the chicken says because japanese was too difficult to learn <laughs> walk a fucking walker yeah. <laughs> I do like that. Although I remember a a memory stirs. A memory stirs. Of when I was first reading this, thinking that there were two chickens, dog and free range. Yes, I I actually seem to recall having the same confusion. (laughs) See, I love this. Like they, the so Gur and Bob come tumbling out of this tube into this weird cartoon wonderland with a weird sort of. There's a Sonic caricature. He's he's a a red spiky ball with pink shoes, um, and it's full of little little animals, bears and bunnies and that, and they come out and they they splat. They, they land on a few of them and then the ones they land on transform and the rabbit goes Oi! You turn me mates into bubble bath containers! Right. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. What? It's so it's, there's no... If you strike us... We, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> if you prick us, do we not turn into bubble bath containers? <laughs> yeah. Bob asks in the very next uh, speech ah. Oh yeah? How's that then? And then they explain that if you strike us, we metamorphosize. Why? Why not? What's going on? Well, it turns out that um, Granny... Is that is that a reference to, like, Mate's bubble bath that was in the shape of people? Maybe. I don't know. Do you remember? It was like the bubble bath that was in the shape of a sailor. Uh, that does sound familiar. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, well, but, but then, like, like, the idea of a bubble bath bottle being in the shape of a cartoon character is as old as time itself. You know, I believe that's oh, what it? the okay. first cavemen played with <laughs> in the bath. Um... <laughs> Then suddenly this character, Granny 8-Ball, sweeps in, obviously the villain of the piece, which is, Did someone mention Bubble Bath? My favourite tipple, yum, yum. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to drink this Bubble that, Bath. that's just happened. We're one panel later and now yeah. we're drinking Bubble Bath with a... And doesn't she look like those Rocco's Modern Life neighbours? Oh, old. there's a bit of Mrs. Big Head about her, yeah. That's it, yeah. Bubble Bath. Did someone mention my favourite tipple? <laughs> Rocco, darling. Nothing is coherent in this comic. Every panel, someone is introducing some radical new idea as a joke, as a punchline, as a, in a way where I'm supposed to go like, ha but I don't. I go, what? Yes, it's very... I, I still have a memory of this congealing into something borderline coherent as a story. Oh. Now that the premise is in place, the kids have been abducted and they've been dumped into these two scenarios. But mm-hmm. I can't remember anything that happens so maybe it doesn't we'll see it's very hard to say anything about (laughs) there are some good jokes in it and i do remember one about drinking bubble bath in a future issue (laughs) i ought to mention something i've just remembered which is that i still have my sonic the hedgehog shaped bubble bath container yeah there you go you see yeah with an unscrewable head yeah that's what the head came off and the regular cap was under there yeah so that's it um you know We'll jump ahead a little bit here and go over to the back cover, shall we? Yes, why don't we? Because the back cover of this issue again, like two issues ago, is another pirate STC pinup. Feels mm. like maybe it was done a little bit before the series because the kids' clothes are slightly different colours. Oh, yes. And the girl doesn't have her ponytail. But oh. um, it's funny because this is easily the single most coherent piece of pirate STC artwork that we've had. It's a good poster. Uh, They haven't undermined it by writing pin-up or poster anywhere on it. There is a little Sonic the Comic logo, but A, I'm down with that, and B, it's unintrusively small and off to the corner. 
It's good. The narrative of Pirate STC as a concept is apparent from the poster too. Just that mm. in, it's not a cacophonous mash of characters <laughs> and stuff like that first back cover was here we have the kids in a circle at the center of the poster our protagonists looming over the back of them hand outstretched menacingly is fez head the prime antagonist or or you know inciting factor of the story yeah. and then scattered all around are skulls and supporting antagonists and characters from the uh, from the strip some that we haven't met yet i can tell what role you know, you, you look at it and you know when you're looking at the protagonists and when you're looking at the antagonists and the, you, you know what you're looking at with it. You, making sense of it, as in understanding who or what any of these things are, <laughs> it's another matter. And it's still very chaotic and full of energy, but it's, as a composition, it's easily the yeah. most easily consumable piece of pirate STC that we've seen yet, I think. It does throw into some sort of relief, though, a problem I never quite pinned down that I had with it, which is that, yes, now that we can see exactly who the protagonists are, we can see how difficult they are to sort of view as protagonists, because two of them you can't see their faces, really. They're... Uh, big shades over the them. The shades over them, but also there's that weird starburst effect on the shades that look like weird eyes in some distracting mm. way. Um, one of them's got his face half covered anyway. Gura there has such an angry expression, as does the last one. There's just these two teeth-gnashing yep. frowny people. And between them, they throw such a balance that I didn't notice that the chicken's there until just this moment. <laughs> In fact, three of them, one of the shaded ones, has that angry gnashing teeth look as well. So yep. they're so, so curly, curvy, stretchy, weirdy looking that it's difficult to view them as protagonists even when presented with this layout that shows me that's what they are um very strange designs and who's this sonic underneath them have we had him or will we have him not yet i think that's one of the characters from the ad we saw before that said uh, isotronic on it a yes. few issues ago it's a sort of grotesque version of sonic with again yeah. the, the exaggerated frowny face and just he's all weird and he's green and he's got a big human face coming off him i may or may not be remembering that he is one of a pair of characters called the tronic twins ah. who appear as servants of granny itbull in a later strip right we'll see <laughs> i mean i could have made that up entirely <laughs> because who knows oh wait one last thing last panel is that Porker Lewis on a t-shirt there? Yeah, I think that is Porker's head on the uh As on the, the shirt skull of, this, of a skull and crossbones. Yeah, on this um, Viking guy yeah. in the fighting tournament. Don't remember what this character's name is. This is a guy who is a blobby potato-y thing like everybody is, but with most of his arm cut off and just a bones yeah. poking out of it. Uh, with a Viking helmet with bent horns and he's wearing socks and sandals. Oh, so he is. It's good. <laughs> Every detail of this passes me entirely by because I'm so <laughs> it's too much in a world. Consume yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Next episode: Big trouble. Big trouble. Big trouble. Freaks, fights, flatulence. Oh boy. Oh boy. Spoilers. <laughs> well, we're greeted immediately by a remarkably grinning tails with no nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a drawing by Adrian Simmons of Kettering. A shady tail, because he's holding a pair of um, sunglasses. Uh, so he well, is. holding, I say holding. He's got his arms tucked behind his back and the glasses are just sort of floating there. Well, it's yes, it's as if they've just pinged off his head and they've only fallen yeah. down that far. Bless you, Adrian. It's a, there's nothing wrong with this drawing at all. But the fact that you've missed off his nose 
gives the whole thing a very strange aspect that I can't yeah. can't seem to see around. Bit tails dollish. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> and then there is one other drawing on the page, and it's a it's fan art of Babs Bunny. Yeah, strange one that. That's from Nicola Louise Claxton of Hampshire. And the caption says, Spot the Looney. Yes. Um, so they do recognise that it's Yeah, they know they know it's a tiny tin, yeah. but um odd choice to put in the headlines page. Uh, well, in the letters themselves, Jazdeep Singh Dillam from Hansworth uh, says that every time Sega release a new video game system, I repeatedly ask my dad to buy me one. Although I already have a Mega Drive, I desperately want a Mega CD, Master System, and a Game Gear, plus any future consoles. My dad did promise to buy me these, so if he's joking, I'll batter him. Hmm. Well, uh, I can't say as I disagree with Megadroid's reply, which yeah. is, I think the next thing on your list should be a course on how not to be greedy. Yeah. We didn't need a Master System and a Game Gear and a Mega CD to go with our Mega Drives in my day. No. <laughs> no. You, 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 I was going to say you picked one and you stuck with it, but you didn't even pick. No, you kind of, well, uh, well, you annoyed your parents into picking for you. You had a certain amount of influence, yeah, but once the picking was done, you were stuck. Lee Chapman is very complimentary of the Sonic buses. Yeah. That's all he's written in to say. He won a cap sticker some poster and urges people to check them out if they're in the area. Yes, he seems to be saying, like, yes, it's not just hype. Do go and see them because you win stuff. I did. Megadroid uh, says, ever thought of working in PR when you're older, Lee? Or becoming a footballer? Blank stare from the audience. Crickets, we assume Lee Chapman must have been the name of a footballer. We'll no doubt have Seb right in to correct us after the episode goes live. Chris, I already knew this one. What? For all of one minute before I read this, because the name Lee Chapman was so familiar to me that I looked it up in case it's someone I know, and it isn't, but I found out there that there was a footballer called it at this time. So a footballman called it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No Man's Land, Katie Munns of Romsey, Hampshire, says, It occurs to me if Dr. Robotnik plans to rule the world by killing everyone with satellite death rays, etc., there won't be anyone left to rule over! A bit of uh, clever lateral thinking there from Katie Munns. If only Robotnik types of the Hume world adopted this outlook, oh. says Megadroid. Oh, scathing political commentary. commentary from Megadroid that remains as relevant today in these unprecedented times. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then finally... No, this is a, a familiar name. A couple of issues ago, we had a letter from this person. We did. Ms. Sarah Rose of Worsley, Manchester, who, as I recall, was tearing strips yes. off of uh, STC for giving Tails the four-page strip uh -huh. and not any more pages than that. Infuriated she was. And um, she's no cheerier. No. Um, this time around. The Mark Miller of the letters page. She has an easily identifiable style. <laughs> Dear STC, it was an outrage. What am I talking about? You saw him first in STC 4, and after that you hoped you'd never see him again, but no, Ed Hillier returned, determined to ruin a Sonic strip once and for all. He draws like a four-year-old. Even I could have done better. Surely you could have replaced you-know-who with Ferran Rodriguez or Woodrow Phoenix. Richard Elson is a genius, which is probably why you use him so much. Otherwise, STC is a brilliant comic. So that's her with two water fun games now, just for this. Yeah, for, for Laying this into abuse. Them. Yeah. This objectively incorrect abuse. <laughs> 
You wouldn't replace Ed with Woodrow Phoenix? Listen, <laughs> Woodrow Phoenix and Ferran Rodriguez represent the unarguably worst artists who have worked on Sonic strips in this comic so far. While this letter would be written in response to Sonic the Human, wouldn't it? The last strip Ed Hillier drew. Which we ascertained was a brilliant Absolutely cartoon. flipping brilliant. I don't know what she's on about. Nonsense. Sarah! And Megadroid says, You must know some incredibly capable toddler, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder if we'll see any more screeds from Ms. Rose in the course of the series. I mean, I saw a few in the course of my life, so perhaps we will. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, get in touch. Well, that is, that's everyone who's written into Speedlines. Um, but hey, listen, our mailbag is a little bit empty this time, so we want you to start writing in to get your letters into Speedlines, and you can do that right now, easily, for free! You don't even need a stamp! You certainly don't need to get your mask on and go down the post office. It's stctpodcast at gmail.com. Write in! Or if you want, uh, you can even send a little audio letter. Yes. We've, you've heard a few of those on the podcast before. Keep them brief, I guess that we should probably say that. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't ramble on for forever. But uh, but yes, and if you'd rather do that than write an email, feel free to do that as well. And you can do that while you're waiting for next issue. Ooh. SOS in SOR. Oh, Streets of Rage, okay. <laughs> Streets of Rage, right. Yeah, I know, right. The explosive end to Skates' story. Sonic gets stalled in the Grim Zone. Oh, the Grim Zone? Mm. I like the sound of it, but I don't remember it, I so it's remember. probably not all that great. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 you think wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a good one, next issue. It's an important oh. one. Tails, Foxtail Soup, or Goblin Goulash? Pirate STC, Fair's Head and Skull at the controls. Plus, hot news, top tips, rave reviews... It's all in STC30. Don't go home without it. On sale Saturday the 9th of July, £1.10. feel like they were reaching for some of this uh, copy. Foxtail soup or goblin goulash. Uh, I can relate. We've been at this for a year. They've been at that for a year. <laughs> I'm starting to feel it setting in. <laughs> well, they might be at a loss for words and we might be a little bit too. But if you have any words to share, you can uh, leave a review for the podcast <laughs> on Apple Podcasts if that's where you get it. You can also download the podcast online at stctp.wigglehe.com. Yeah, or come and look at us on Twitter. We've got at Sonic Podcast for the show itself, but we're individually on there as well. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave on Twitter. I am at Chris McFeely, and we're both on YouTube under those names too. Yeah, doing all sorts of fun noodling about Chris more than me. You can support this show if you so choose. We're going to do some exclusive Patreon gubbins soon. We haven't done it yet. But hey, when we reach a certain point, maybe that'll be a stretch goal. But we're getting there. There's people supporting us. Yeah, we're, we're really quite close now at this point that we may actually be able to use the money that you've so generously pledged yeah. towards the show to free up some time to create something else for it. Yeah. So if you want to help out with that, then head over to patreon.com forward slash STCTP and join the good folk over there. If you want to purchase the theme tune that we have at the open of every episode, then that is Synchronized by Sonic the Comic, the band who you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we are Sonic the Comic, the podcast. And we will see you next time. And I didn't save anything silly for the end of this episode. Uh, so while we're here, I thought I'd mention something I've noticed since we recorded it, which is that, you know that Tony the Tiger Sonic Spinner advert? Well, I've see, I've watched it again since, and he's got a multi-mega.
in that, that's his Mega Drive in it that he's playing Sonic 3 on. There you go, Tony the Tiger's got a multi-mega. And apparently in 1994, they were trying to pass that off as like the main Mega Drive that they would put in adverts. And st- I don't know. All right, bye.